Lord, bless you today. We're so excited to bring the word to you. I hope you just got done listening to the worship. I just got done worshiping with this team here, and what an anointing this morning. I want to just uh, say a blessing over you today, especially to you mothers. Happy Mother's Day, and uh, we wish you could be here with us. You know, we always take the time to honor the mothers here, give them a flower, say a prayer over them, and we're not able to do that today, but we are uh, thinking about you mothers, and I want you to have a special day and praying that the Lord would bless you. Hopefully we'll be together soon and we'll be able to see one another and uh, just uh, fellowship together. But until then, uh, Lord bless you. Happy Mother's Day. Enjoy your day, mom. I have a message for you. It's not a Mother's Day message, but it's part two of the Believer's Secret Source of Strength. Uh, we're going to thank God for the Word. This morning we're again in John chapter 4. I'm going to be reading verses 31 through 38. We're going to focus in on verses 35 through 38. So let's thank God for the Word, and then we're going to jump right in. Father, I thank you this morning, first of all, for Jesus and for salvation and for your goodness and your faithfulness in all of our lives. Thank you, God, for your keeping power. Thank you for the word to refresh us and encourage us. Thank you that we can worship and that we can connect with you, God. I just pray, Lord, a special blessing on our mothers today, Lord God. May they know how much we appreciate them and how important they are to the fabric of our society. Father, great mothers build the next generation and godly mothers build the next generation. So bless them, Lord. Let the word encourage all of us today. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. John 4 uh, starting in verse 31, recapping a little bit from last week. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know not of. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did they? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Listen to verse 35, our new material. Do not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white unto harvest already. Jesus speaking to his disciples. We just had some uh, situation here where Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. He's ministering to them. The Samaritan people are about uh, to hear from Jesus. Why? Because this woman was so excited about what Jesus said. She went to get all the people in the town. You know, he is uh, conducting a little bit of a, uh, an evangelistic outreach here. He reveals himself to this woman in John 4, 26. She says, when the Messiah comes, he's going to, you know, he's going to explain all these things to us that you're talking about. Jesus says, I, I'm he, I'm the guy you're waiting for. I'm the Messiah. What an amazing thing that he reveals himself to a Samaritan woman. Uh, in John 4.34, we discover that Jesus had a secret source of spiritual strength that he tapped into to do effective ministry. Now, Jesus was in full evangelism mode here with this Samaritan woman. He was in full evangelism mode here, ministering to these people, and the Samaritans were about to hear from the Messiah that they were waiting for. Now, his followers 
uh, they needed to learn that Jesus had this secret source of strength. And that to tap into that is what allows us to do effective ministry. You and I are called to be evangelists, whether you know that's our primary gift or not. Each of us are called to share the gospel, to, to share Jesus with others. And we need spiritual strength to do that. Last week's message, we talked about uh, of that. If you didn't hear that, go back and listen to it. It'll encourage you. But Jesus says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. What does that mean? Well, he's saying it's secret in the sense that you guys don't know about it, but I want, I want to show you the secret. He said, the, the, the strength that I have that comes from the Lord comes from two places. One, from doing the will of him who sent me. We talked about that last week and finishing his work. So Jesus's spiritual strength was doing the father's will. Jesus's spiritual strength was being a finisher. He was there not to just start, you know, a church or start a movement or, you know, just, you know, kind of make a couple ripples in the pond. No, he was there to finish the work. That's why when Jesus was on the cross, after he endured the cross, what did he say? It is finished. And he did finish the father's work and he did do the will of him who sent him. And that was strength to him. Now, Jesus is about to show them exactly where to expend their spiritual strength once they tap into it. You know, when we connect with God and we're empowered and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's power, that's strength. How do we utilize that? Where do we expend that? Jesus is about to show them. Now, remember, he said to them when he called them, follow me, what, and I'll make you fishers of men. So here we go. He's making them fishers of men. He's showing them how to tap in to the power of God so that they have strength for spiritual exploits. In verse 35 here, he starts into his next topic and he talks about the harvest. He says, do not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. So what Jesus segues into is the fact that there's a harvest to consider. Now, why would Jesus cover the topic about a harvest. Well, here's why. Because he was about to plant some seeds into the Samaritans. He was about, he just revealed himself as Messiah to this woman. She's going to gather a crowd. He's about to impact that town. And listen, the seeds that he was going to plant in them would yield a harvest. Some of them were going to believe and some of them were going to believe unto salvation. Now, while he's in full evangelism mode, he's tapped into the power of the father and he's doing effective ministry. He's about to plant seeds. He's about to bring in a harvest. All his disciples could think about was, hey, we better not miss lunch. Think about that for a second. So many times, spiritually, we can be out of sync or out of step with heaven. We can be in, you know, and just, you know, God's doing one thing and we're not understanding what he's doing. And so we're not participating. Jesus now directs them to consider the harvest. And let me be clear, when the text talks about a harvest, they're not talking about barley or corn or wheat. Even though it was an agricultural society, they understood the harvest. They knew how important the harvest season was. He's talking about using that, you know, agricultural society as an illustration to, to indicate that souls were going to be brought into the kingdom of God. Someone say amen. Isn't that the point of the drill? Uh, I know Jesus, you know Jesus, we're saved, but yet there's people who don't know Jesus, who need to know Jesus, and that's why we're here. So he's talking about not, you know, bringing in crops, but bringing in souls to the kingdom of God. People being saved. Some, someone get excited about that, amen. I don't know, nothing at this stage in my life excites me more than people getting saved. People coming out of darkness into the 
light, people coming out of the bondage of sin into freedom, people having a a genuine soul-saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That should excite us today. It excites me. You say, what is it? It's the harvest. Now, every believer needs to be concerned about the harvest. Every believer needs to have themselves open to the harvest. Why? Because we are the laborers in the harvest. That is what we're here to do. Not just to occupy, circle the wagons, or, you know, stack up blessings, or, or you know, c- kind of pile up earthly treasure and have a great life. No, we are here to share the good news of the gospel with people who need to hear it. Thank God someone shared it with us so that we could be brought into the family of God. But you and I are to be part of the harvest. So we have to be concerned about the harvest. That's why Jesus is talking about it. We have to be open to the harvest. You say, well, what needs to be open to the harvest? Jesus actually tells us two things that need to be open to the harvest in the text. The first thing that needs to be open to the harvest is this. Our hearts need to be open to the harvest. The heart is so important that our hearts are in the right places, filled with the right things. Look what the text says here. It says, do not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. So the first thing that we're looking at here as Jesus talks about the harvest is he says, do not say. Now, what does what we say have to do with our hearts? Well, everything. What we say has everything to do with our heart. Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, what comes out of our mouth is already in our hearts. That's why people who say, you know, mean things, or they say arrogant things, or they say condescending things, and then they say, oh, well, I'm just joking. Well, probably not. You know, a lot, if people are saying these things all over the time and it, that's what's coming out, then that's really what's in there, amen? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when Jesus says, do not say, he's really talking about a heart issue here. Now, what were they saying that they shouldn't have been saying? He says, do not say, and then this is what he says, that there are still four months, then comes to the harvest. And you may look at that and it's like, well, did anybody say that or who said that? He was looking into their hearts to see what was in there. And here's the problem. He's saying, do not say that there are four months and then comes the harvest. What is that all about? Their heart attitude towards the harvest of lost souls was that they could, number one, predict the timing of it. And number two, it was not now. Listen to that. Their heart was, we can predict the timing of the harvest. Why do you say that, Pastor Rick? Because the text says it. It says, there are still four months, then comes the harvest. So they're saying, well, the harvest is not now, it's in four months. And you see, they were saying, well, we we can predict when the harvest is, and it's not now. And that was an issue there because their hearts were not in the place where they could see the harvest that was right in front of them. In this case, they couldn't see the harvest of the Samaritans that was right in front of them. And they were more concerned with filling their bellies and not missing lunch and telling Jesus, eat. And Jesus is like, it's not time to eat. I don't care what your watch says. It's time to share the gospel with these people. I've tapped into a source of spiritual food that's empowering me to do effective ministry. So this idea of having a heart in the wrong place where we can predict the the timing of the harvest and come to the conclusion it's not now, that's an issue. Many of us in the church today have the same heart towards the harvest right now. We have that same heart 
towards the lost. You say, how is that so? Here, we know that someday there's going to be a revival. Say amen. And we say, you know, there's going to be a revival someday. In fact, years ago when I was a young Christian, we used to sing a song, there's going to be a revival in the land. If you're real old, you remember that song. But you know what? We say, well, someday there's going to be a revival. And then someday our family and friends are going to be saved. How many have that hope that someday your family and your friends are going to know Jesus? And so someday there's going to be a revival. Someday they're going to be saved. Someday we're going to see a great end time harvest before the rapture of the church, before the coming of the Lord. There's going to be a great revival, a great harvest. So our friends are going to be saved someday. Our family's going to be saved someday. There's going to be a revival. There's going to be a great gathering in. But today is not that day. You see how our hearts are wrong? That's a wrong heart to have. Jesus says, do not say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Don't have this someday attitude. Someday there's going to be revival. Someday my friends and family are going to be saved. Someday there's going to be a great end time gathering, but not today. Our hearts must be open to the now harvest much more than the someday harvest. Wow. Is my heart open to the now harvest? The disciples were missing the now harvest. The now harvest was right in front of them. It was the Samaritans, but they were more concerned about lunch. Our hearts have to be open to the now harvest more than the someday harvest. There are three reasons our hearts need to be open to the now harvest, and I'll give them to you. Number one, Jesus already gave us the green light 2,000 years ago. You say, when is salvation open to mankind? When Jesus said it was finished on the cross, when he rose again from the grave, and now that he's seated at the right hand of God, now is the time for people to get saved. Jesus gave us the green light. Mark 16, 15. And Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Did you hear that? It's go. It's a green light. It's time to share the gospel. Well, what happens when you share the gospel? The word of God never returns to God void. So when we preach the gospel, people are going to hear it, and some of them are going to believe, and they're going to be saved. So we're going to bring in the harvest. It's go time, church. You say, Pastor, why are you bringing a message like this in the middle of a pandemic? Because I'm looking on the other side of this pandemic, and I see a harvest that is ready to be brought into the church. I see empty seats filled in the houses of God. I see the houses of worship ignited with the presence of the Holy Spirit, amen? This has been a time where people have been stripped of their comforts and stripped of their distractions, and there's been some soul searching in these quiet times that I believe people are ready ready for some change in their life to have a spiritual connection with Jesus Christ. Someone say amen out there. And so there's a harvest out there and it's go time. Number two, the second reason why we have to be connected to the now harvest is this. Heaven's gates are open wide. Today is the day of salvation. Listen to 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he said, at the acceptable time, I listened to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. This is Paul quoting Isaiah 49, 8. Much of the fulfillment of the Old Testament and the New Testament, Jesus did this often, quoting the Old Testament, seeing its fulfillment. He says what? Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of of salvation. Now, now, not someday, not off in the distant future. Now, today is the day of salvation. 
Heaven's gates are open wide. The Holy Spirit is searching to and fro. Jesus gave us the green light and told us, go. So it's now. Now is the day of salvation. Number three, the third reason our hearts have to be open to the now harvest is this, because Ecclesiastes 11.4 warned us not to sit around waiting for the perfect moment. Some people are like, well, you know, I'm waiting for that perfect moment. I'm waiting for that perfect message. I'm, I'm waiting for that perfect opportunity to share the gospel or to begin praying or to, you know, tell people about Jesus. And Ecclesiastes 11.4 warns us not to do that. It says this, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Literally, he that observes the wind will never sow, and he that regards the clouds shall not reap. If you wait for perfect circumstances, if you wait for you know the proverbial stars to be in line or the perfect storm to do the work of God that Jesus said to go and do now, listen, if you wait for the perfect opportunity, it may never come. God didn't call us to tread water in the church. Jesus told us to go. Today is the day of salvation. If you observe the wind, you shall not sow. Oh, it's not the right time. If you regard the clouds, oh, the weather, you know, it's not, you're never gonna reap. Today is the day of salvation. It's go time. Jesus gave us a green light and our hearts need to be open to the now harvest. I'm excited about the someday harvest. I'm excited about the great gathering and I'm excited about all that, but I don't wanna miss the now and I don't want you to miss the now. Our eyes are the second thing that needs to be open to the harvest. First our hearts, then our eyes. You say, where did you get that, pastor? Right from the text. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white unto harvest. So our hearts need to be into the harvest. Our, our hearts need to be open to the harvest. And our eyes also need to be lifted up. Now let's take a look at this. God's people should not be looking down all the time. And realize what I'm talking about when I'm talking about this. You know, the scripture says not to be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. I found that in decades of serving the Lord, I have rarely met any person who was so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Most of us are just way too worldly to be any spiritually good. Help us, Lord. Say out your amen. I don't know what you want to say, but that, that's my experience, even in my own life. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm just thinking about heaven all the time. I, I get focused on the things of the world just like you do. So God's people should not be looking down all the time. Look what it says, lift up your eyes. <laughs> if you think of a person who is looking straight down, uh, and, and perhaps walking. They, you, if you look straight down and, and you're, you're focused on something right in front of you, you get a tunnel vision. Could you imagine running if you're looking at the tips of your sneakers? Could you imagine how quickly you're going to find a, a, a pothole or the edge of the road or some sort of, you're going to be down. Listen, you and I can't focus on the things of this world and we can't focus on what's right in front of us. We're going to get this tunnel vision. You see it with people with, with, the, with the cell phones. I mean, you can go on uh, YouTube or whatever, and you can entertain yourself for hours watching people looking at their phones, walking into traffic walking into light poles. I watch a person on a phone, you know, typing or doing something, walk right into a fountain, into the water. Come on, that's funny. I don't care who you are. 
And, and, you know, you look at this stuff and you laugh and, you, you know, what, what is with it? You know, I watch a person walk into a power pole, into glass doors. I mean, it's just like, what are you doing? It's when we're focused like this and we get that tunnel vision, we, we, we are just cloistered from everything else that's going on around us. And it's not safe. It's not healthy. Now, in a spiritual sense, if we allow that to happen to us in a spiritual sense, and we get spiritual tunnel vision, that we are focused on what's right in front of us, and we're focused on the wrong things all the time, it is a problem. Mark 4, 18 through 19, uh, talking about uh, the parable of the sower. I had mentioned this in the other message. It says, now these are the ones sown among thorns, focusing on the wrong things. Listen, they are the ones who hear the word and listen, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. When you and I focus on worldly things. When you and I focus on what's right in front of us and all about me and mine and building my little empire and my little newsfeed and it's all about me and it all caters to me, we become spiritually blind by tunnel vision and we are overcome what? By the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for others things. And, and these are big problems. You know, the cares of the world, we can have so much stuff that just upkeeping it consumes all of our time. Think about that. Think about how much stuff we have. Think about how many things need maintenance and taking care of and how many broken, the cares of this world can consume us. The deceitfulness of riches, people chase that paper, gotta make that money, it's all about money. If this situation that we're in now doesn't show us how unstable and unreliable money is and the economy is and finances are and 401ks are. If this doesn't show us the instability of chasing that and the emptiness of trying to acquire that, I don't know what will show us. The deceitfulness of riches or the desire for other things. You see, being spiritually tunnel vision to the point where we're focusing on our own little empire that we've built will get us into these places where these things estrange us from God. So we shouldn't look down all the time. We should lift up our eyes. Where should we be looking? The text tells us two places. Number one, it says to lift up your eyes. So we should be looking up. If we look down at all the things of the world and we're consumed with that, we don't take the time to look up and consider the kingdom of God. You and I are sojourners here. We're just passing through. We are in this world, but not of this world. We are of a different kingdom. Someone say amen. We're not worldly people. We are, we are of the kingdom of heaven. We are of the kingdom of God. And when this life is over, we're gonna leave this place and go into the presence of God in the kingdom of heaven. Someone say amen. So you and I can't look down all the time. We've got to look up. We've got to, what it says, lift up your eyes. You know, if you're on a baseball field and someone drills a ball into the sun and it's maybe in foul territory or it's over the bleachers, what do people yell? Heads up, right? We need to lift. Why? Because the person who's got their head down, not paying attention, is going to get hit with the ball. It seems like the ball finds those people. You know, so you, you, the ball's up, heads up. I don't know how many times as a young person, heads up. And thank God, every time I looked up, the ball was not right there. But, you know, you're able to get out of its way or see where it was to know if you were safe or not. The scripture is telling us, 
heads up, lift up your eyes, look up. What happens when we look up? Looking up broadens our perspective. You can't see a whole lot if you're looking straight down, but if you lift up your eyes and you look up, and if you lift up to heaven, you're going to see some things that you won't see looking at your feet, looking at the world, looking at the things all around us. It will broaden our perspective. Our heavenly father wants us to see the big picture. He wants to show us that life is more than just work and making money and paying bills and, and what's for dinner. Life is about being used by almighty God to be the ones who go and bring in the harvest. Come on. God has bigger things for us to do than just hang on and exist until he calls us home. He wants to give us that heavenly perspective, but we've got to look up and we've got to allow him to broaden our view. Looking up sharpens our spiritual eyesight. You see, we need to begin to see what he sees. I don't know about you, but my flesh usually does not see what God sees. And that's why my flesh needs to be crucified daily, and so does yours. That's why I need to be repenting of sin daily so that I can be right with God, so he can clear my eyes and allow me to see what he sees. But it is just amazing what we can see if we will allow our, our, our eyes to be sharpened by God. You know, a trained eye can see things that not everybody can see. If you're someone who does security, if you're a secret service agent, you can spot a person with bad intentions in a crowd just by their body language or just by a few subtle clues. They have trained eyes to spot trouble. In a sea of people, they can pick out the people who you need to keep an eye on because their eyes are trained. People who, uh, you know, whitewater kayak or raft or surf, they can read water. Why? Because their eyes are trained to read water. They can see when the wave is right and the swell is just right. And they read that water and understand how to catch the best waves and how to find the white water and how to stay safe. As a hunter, I can spot a group of deer. As I'm going down the highway at 70 miles an hour, 200 yards off in a field when I'm not even looking in that direction. It drives my wife nuts. I'm driving, I'm like, there's six deer over there. There's one buck, he's two and a half years old. He's missing the brow time. She's like, there's something wrong with you. And I'm the same guy who can't find the milk in the refrigerator. Why is that? Come on, ladies. Because my eyes train for one thing, but it's not trained for the other. It's amazing what will happen if we let God train our eyes to sharpen our spiritual eyesight. We're going to begin to see what he sees. And it's totally going to revolutionize the way we approach the harvest. Also, looking up keeps us from missing the move of the Holy Spirit. There are many people, church people, Good people, Christian people, church people sitting next to us when this place is full, that they don't have any idea what the Holy Spirit's doing in the earth today. Why is that? Because we're not looking up, because we don't have that broad perspective, because we haven't allowed God to train our eyes, and so we miss the move of the Holy Spirit. We can be so worldly that we don't understand what the Holy Spirit's doing, but if we'll tap into that spiritual strength and energy that Jesus tapped into so we can be effective in ministry. We're going to begin to see things and we're going to begin to, to feel the move of the Spirit so that what? We're available and we're going to be part of what God is doing in the earth. Don't be a spectator. Don't just miss it. Don't be out in the left field. Be right in the thick of what God's doing in the earth. The Holy Spirit is moving and what keeps us from missing the move of the Holy Spirit and even missing the harvest time is that we're not looking up. So we should look up 
Number two, we should look unto the fields. That's what the text says. Lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they are already white unto harvest. So while we're looking up, we need to focus our attention on something very specific. What are the fields? The fields are the sea of lost humanity. Those who have not yet had a life-changing experience with Jesus Christ. Some of us have been saved for so long, we forget what it's like to be lost. And sometimes we need to allow God to break our hearts all over again for the lost. Because there's a sea of people out there. There's a sea of humanity and God sees them as a field and they're lost and they're sheep without a shepherd and God loves them and he wants to gather them in. Jesus didn't just die for a few. He didn't just die for the cream of the crop. He didn't just die for one specific group. He died for the sins of the entire world that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. Jesus is for everyone. Salvation is for everyone. God loves everyone. So the fields are those people who have not yet experienced the goodness of God by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if we'll forget about ourselves long enough and take the focus off ourselves for long enough that we can see this vast mission field, this vast harvest of lost humanity that's before us, if we can Focus on that. The text tells us to look at the fields. If we are willing to do that, God's going to reveal the true condition of them. And it says here that they are already white unto harvest. It's not a someday revival. It's not someday evangelism. It's now. It's go time. They are already white unto harvest. Those Samaritans that were about to hear Jesus and see him reveal himself as Messiah, their hearts were ready to receive, and many of them believed, and Jesus planted seeds of eternity in them that would yield a harvest. All of my life, I've heard people say things like, Jesus isn't coming back anytime soon, if at all. Wow. Maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've thought that before. And the enemy loves to whisper things to us like that. Well, you know, things have gone on for so long and it's thousands of years and Jesus said he was coming back, but maybe it was just figurative and I don't think it's literal and we talk ourselves out of sound theology and people will say things, well, Jesus isn't coming back and, and as if we can cast off all restraint and just live the way we want to live and look down instead of looking up and be all consumed with ourselves instead of thinking about the harvest and seeing the true condition of the world. The world is ripe and hungry and hurting for Jesus. You and I have the answer. God will reveal to us who is ready, who is ripe, and who has a heart open to the things of God. He'll give us divine encounters to share our faith with people if we'll look at the fields, if we'll be open to the now harvest. Jesus, you know, he is coming back, and he's on his way, and he's closer to coming back than he was yesterday. As things, you know, ramp up all around us, we see the signs of the times that the Bible shows us. If we have any eschatological idea of the coming of Jesus, we see that all the markers and indicators are in place he could return at any time. You know, and I've heard people say things like, there's nothing good in the church. There's nothing going on in the church. It's dead. Have you heard people say like, things like that? I've heard people say that, oh, the church is dead. I, I had one person say, oh, there's nothing going on at your church one time. And I knew that was, that was not from God. That was the voice of the enemy. 
And this person was twisted and broken and, and bound in sin, but they spoke those words and they grieved my spirit. There's good things going on in the church of Jesus Christ. The church is alive and well. God is moving. The Holy Spirit is moving. The church is not dead. God is not dead. There is a move of God in the earth and there's a harvest for us to gather in. I've heard people say Christianity's antiquated, it's irrelevant, and it's in decline. I don't know what they're looking at. I don't know what churches they're looking at, but God is alive and well in the churches that still preach the word of God and hold fast to the apostles' doctrine. God is moving and changing lives. He's changing my life and your life. And listen, there are people on the outside looking in that the Holy Spirit is drawing. You and I need to have eyes that are open to the harvest, that we look and we see that it's already there. There's an ingathering to bring in. You and I have to have hearts that are open to the harvest. Why? Because it's not someday, it's now. And the disciples were missing it. And Jesus was refocusing them. He, they were about to see with their own eyes the, the ingathering and the planting of seeds into that mission field. Samaritans were going to believe and their eternal destinies were going to be changed forever. You and I are the ones that God wants to use to bring in the harvest. Don't miss it. Don't miss what the Holy Spirit is doing. Be open to it. Have your heart open to it. Have your eyes open to it. Look in the right place and God will use you because I want you to know something. He needs laborers. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I want to be one of the few. I want to be one of the sons and, and you, sons and daughters that would what? Go in and labor to please the Father, to bring in that gathering of souls because nothing is more important in life than bringing people into the kingdom of God. He who wins souls is wise. Let's be wise today. Let's concentrate on the harvest. Let's tap into the spiritual source of strength that Jesus tapped into to do effective ministry. And let's be part of the move of God now. When this quarantine is over, when this pandemic is over, I believe on the other side of this, there is a great harvest of souls. And you and I need to be praying that we don't miss out on being part of what God is doing. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you today for this word that would encourage us. Father, I just pray a prayer of uh, release over my brothers and sisters. Father, if there's a heavy blanket of oppression that I sense in the spirit over many people's lives right now, they've been separated from people, they've been you know, quarantined and they feel disconnected. Father, in Jesus' name, I come against that heavy blanket of oppression and I release the power of God to breathe life and joy and excitement into people people's hearts right now within the sound of my voice. Father, let us begin to get geared up and excited about what you're doing. Father, you're not on lockdown, but the Spirit of God has been moving, and you are preparing a harvest. God, we want to be part of what you're doing. We thank you for it, and I pray that not one person under the sound of my voice that's listening would miss their opportunity to be a, a, a laborer, to be part of the harvest, to work for the kingdom of God, to see people's lives change. What an exciting moment for us. Help us to see the now harvest in Jesus' name. Amen.
God bless you today. I hope that this encourages you. I hope that you're shaking off that, you know, the heaviness that seems to be on so many. Get excited about the things of God. The kingdom of God is moving. God is up to something in his people. He's up to something in the nations. He's stirring up a harvest. Uh, I want to just, again, say God bless you to all the mothers as you enjoy this day. I hope this word has encouraged you. Today, uh, please continue to listen to these messages at fgcweb.org. Continue to give. I thank you for that. The church is able to do what the church was put here to do. Pray that uh, our leaders would uh, hear wisdom and that we would be open again soon to do the work of the Lord and to gather together. Pray for us as leadership as we make decisions. We are plotting and strategizing uh, to get open as soon as possible. And so we covet your prayers for those things. But God bless you today. Today. We love you. If you have needs, call the church office. Uh, God is still meeting needs and he's taking good care of us. So God bless you today and uh, we'll see you soon.